Hey, welcome back to the Music Drives Us podcast. Here's part two of my interview with Tyler Morris. Let's jump right in. have that background in blues and you've recorded a lot of blues stuff uh and played with a lot of blues people through time but you're now sort of shifting and you mentioned earlier that you're getting into the songwriting style of like joe perry and brad whitford yeah. could you touch on how that so, has like inspired the country type of so, style so the thing is i've, I've always been into that and mm-hmm. what happened was how i view it is blues went from the the you know the 50 the uh, 40s and the 20s mm-hmm. kind of like robert johnson stuff um everything's like cyclical every 20 years every four years and, and even multiples so mm-hmm. uh then it came back in the form of um you know the 40s it came back a little bit um and then the 50s was more like rock and roll kind of stuff yeah and the 60s it comes back and it's bb king and freddie king yep and they're doing something different where they're interpreting this robert johnson like single guitar acoustic into like you know a mic that's very raw and and you know like unpolished yeah and they're they're making that electric mm-hmm. um which is then what inspired clapton yeah, stuff yeah. and whatever but then in the 70s or, or well, the seventies, uh, you know, was then like kind of harkens back to the fifties rock yeah. and roll revival. Like I said, every yeah. twenty years. But the eighties, which should have been like another blues thing, you had like Steve Ray Vaughan. Yeah, I was gonna I, say, I say like the last guy to evolve blues, in my opinion. But he's probably my favorite blues musician because like his speed and style. <laughs> also, I love the tone of his strings because they were well, so he, thick. And he, he was taking a lot from like, you know, I with his David Bowie work in like 70s, yeah. he's taking a lot from like, um, uh, from Isley Brothers and Jimi Hendrix yep. type R&B. Mm-hmm. But then when you come back around to like 2000s and stuff, like, you know, you have Bonamassa now and he's a, Joe Bonamassa's like, a, a, you know, I consider a friend um, and mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but his style is very much like a, we almost lost, hadn't done much blues since the Steve Ray Vaughan died. Yeah. So he's more trying to bring that back. Yeah, I can agree And I was always trying to, I was thinking, okay, Stevie was like kind of the last evolution, in my opinion. Like mm-hmm. Joe, what he does is great, but it's not what he would consider like an evolution, like how Eddie Van Halen evolved. Yeah. Um, so I was always trying to like take my influences and just write songs. Like the Beatles were influenced by blues but you wouldn't say they're blues musicians yeah so i was always kind of focused more towards like a rock like aerosmithy thing yeah and it's what started happening is that i was um you know on record labels and like my last two blues records like i said grammy first round nominations for last two records Mm -hmm. i have four in total but my last two are the blues ones that's amazing Um, and uh debuted in the top like number eight and number three for billboard chart um Mm-hmm. blues sales um in the first week and uh, so they were successful but the problem with those records is i came in with all these songs and all the ones that i thought that were good ones like the one that i would show someone like brad Whitford and be like oh man this riff is badass yeah they would say oh this is like too rocky mm. and they they would actually you know rejected the label and they would say you it's know too much. they would literally be like 
Joe Bonamassa on this record does this, and this is like Rocky Mountain Way by, you know, Joe, Joe Walsh. Yeah. So you every record you have to have one Rocky Mountain Way song. You have to, one like who's, this. So they're just being really controlling of like, I don't like this. Take this seven off. This doesn't out of, fit. This doesn't like. Yeah. When you make a blues record nowadays, seven out of the ten songs are set in stone already. Like you yeah. have to write you know, hoochie coochie man with different lyrics. It's, it's all, it's like, and you listen to all and it's, it's sad, but it's, it's very processed. And it's like, well, this, these are the steps that you have to follow to like produce or make this album. And you just lost, it just, it made you lose interest in it. What happens is the radio stations like on Sirius XM Bluesville, they mm-hmm. tell the labels that we're not going to play it unless you have like these formulaic songs. <laughs> so that's what happens. And, you know, my guitar playing, yeah. you know, and singing on last record, I, I think was, I'm very proud of it. I think it was very good. And I snuck some really great ideas in it. Yeah. But the stuff that I didn't make it on the records, the stuff I've been, that's been rejected from records for years. Yeah. And, um, you know, I thought it would be maybe I should do rock record. And then I realized that rock now is kind of like what metal was. Or, <laughs> yeah. You know, I um, like when I, I met Wolfgang recently and yeah. he, I love what he does. Like Wolfgang Van really Halen. Cool. Yeah, yeah. But he's more like almost I want to say Nickelbacky. I, I was going to say I was listening to his solo album and because I was talking to my dad about it and he was saying he it has a little bit of the 90s type of grunge, but um this sort of like uh nickelback ish vibe of like trying to like keep it's like trying to bring it back a little bit you can hear it um he's still a phenomenal musician very good yeah he's very very talented but it's just like you can hear it in the songs themselves that it's just it's trying to me it was trying too much to try to bring back something instead of trying to like evolve it what i feel about so i like the stuff he puts out um, the stuff that the band he was on tour with, Dirty Honey, mm-hmm. and then there's like Red Band. He was in Dirty Honey. He, he wasn't in it, but they were like co-touring. Oh, they were co-touring together. Oh, so okay. Dirty Honey and Greta Van Fleet. I my can't issue, get with Greta Van Fleet. My I issues can't do it with, with them. both of those bands, and this is more the producer issue. Uh, this is more the producer who did it, and and that's his. Um, he did it to sound like Zeppelin. But both those bands in Dirt, Dirty Honey does the same thing. Great players. They're very capable, both yeah. of them, of songwriting. Um, not bashing them at all, but I, I want to evolve the music. Like I like Aerosmith, when you look at 90s Aerosmith versus 70s Aerosmith, it's totally so, different. So different. And it's, it's so, so different. The commonality is common good songs and yeah. stuff. And it's like, I think people forgot, like the whole 90s, like in Van Halen even, yeah. evolved their sound. Yeah. And then 2012, like the last Van Halen record is great. I, I but love it's that like, album uh, too. But it's but it's kind of like throwback to the seventies, and it's like, well, what happened to your whole evolution of your sound, and then now you're doing nostalgia stuff. So I think what happened with that album, I was talk- I again talked with my dad about it. He said that what they did was they went into the vault and like looked back yeah, at took- songs, and we're like, what which songs could we maybe make like a not a greatest hits, but like which are the best songs that we yeah. have like that we could retouch and that's something that some bands have been doing a lot recently i think you can tell like metallica they did it with their last album you can hear it that there's some songs on there that sound like they were it was so like it's such a good album but you could hear that some songs on there were written during like the injustice for all era era or like ride the lightning era you can hear it or like some of the influences but now it's a lot of the they'll write one part of the song and be like okay here's that and then they'll write another part it's like it's an it's a weird process of how they do it now it's like they'll like take weird little bits and i'm not 
going to say it's bad because Spit Out the Bone is one of the best songs they've written in years. Like I like the, like time, Moth right? Into a Flame. Moth, Moth Into the Flame, great song. The Every song on that album. Hardwired, I love that. I love that song. But like to touch back upon like with Greta Van Fleet and Dirty Honey, like what the first time I heard Dirty Honey, I literally was like, is this Guns N' Roses? Like <laughs> I, I was so and confused. And then when I heard Greta Van Fleet, I was the first time I was like, wow, this is like really good. But then I was like, this is going to get old really, really fast for me. And the thing is, when you look at Aerosmith, they were evolving what the Stones did, who evolved what those guys did. Yeah. And then Guns N' Roses were evolving Aerosmith. And yeah. then, like, Greta Van Fleet is, like, back where Zeppelin is. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, well, what happened? To the, so, it, and, you know, I... It just felt, it is, felt a little gimmicky, to, very, like, very gimmicky to me with Greta Van yeah. Fleet. Because the physical look and style of them is like, did you take a time machine <laughs> and like and like i'm not like gonna because i'm not gonna argue say that they're bad and it's one it's not for me but it's just it's it's definitely something that i don't think was a thought that was like hey this is gonna re- revive rock and roll so or something so like that. so my my the reason i've gone to country is that i'm for uh, there's two reasons the stylistic reason that we're talking about is um you, you you take like for example um like Metallica and they did turn the page like mm-hmm. that's an easy yeah. actually we get requested that song at country gigs yeah. like ninety percent of our gigs great song so <laughs> that that's an example like when they did turn the page like when that came out it was a very metal like you know five yeah. finger death punch kind of thing now that would not fit into metal or mm-hmm. rock and it would be on a Jason Aldean album yeah or even maybe Morgan Wallen or yeah. something yeah so something that I've liked that I've also noticed now too is that country is kind of taking that little bit of a rocky blues turn with Chris Stapleton Zach Brown band they're they're known to cover Black Sabbath uh yeah. like a little bit of the metal bands uh Metallica they've been known to cover all those people so I think it's a nice shift that even uh miley cyrus is doing it yeah yeah i love her her new album yeah she's she's great like it's it's a it's a nice shift to see it's like the country rock like one of my favorite songs of all time is johnny cash's cover of rusty cage by soundgarden that because i I haven't heard that but chris cornell is check it out favorite chris cornell is one of the he's probably the greatest if not yeah like male singer in my opinion i was lucky enough to see them in 2014 was he but because i know there was an era where he was like like i think near the end was he like um was he good in 2014 or was he oh it was uh 2014 so it was nine inch nails and soundgarden co-headlining soundgarden played first and they came out with jesus christ pose and he killed it was like phenomenal like they were on fire wow. they were so good Cause, and i because i know that i've seen some of the like audio slave reunion footage and he was like really like screwed up audio slave just, yeah that stuff he was a little bit out of it but i watched the footage that somebody posted of the last show that they did and he it was like haunting because it was re it's he looked it sounded really good and he looked good too Wow. So I I don't know. It's such a sad situation, but it's just like oh, he's he was so good. He was such a good. He, he is one of my favorite, um, you know, just artists. Like I don't I I, yeah. I, I was gonna say singers, but you know, just songwriter. You Have know, you heard his acoustic like, stuff too? I, yeah, I was gonna say like yeah. Imagine Billy Jean oh, or that. And so his covers. So that's <laughs> the stuff I wanted to do, and I have a singer now that can do that stuff. That's awesome, but the thing is, doesn't none of this fits in genres, and the only thing it fits in is, I guess, country. Yeah. Um, and it's uh, so that's you know where you're headed. 
But the other reasoning is um, for me switching like up my genres is that uh, I so blues is like kind of jaded mm-hmm. where the blues scene tends to ignore and dismiss like modern stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They try to like stick like, to the oh, old ways no, a little bit. Well, they have this whole attitude. If you talk to like blues people, they don't. Oh, you know, there hasn't been good music in 30 years. There's mm-hmm. no guitar and car yeah, music. And the, yeah. it's a very, you know, I was kind of sucked into like that one dimensional view until I heard a lot of the the blues stuff and the, you know, stuff like Brent Masonot, Brad yeah. Paisley, yep. Keith Urban. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the other thing is that with the blues audience and the rock audience, there's like, especially in Boston, there's, um, you know, I got to the point where it's like I captured the audience where it's getting like 250 or so people at a show and you max it out. It's, it's mostly people who are, um, you know, middle-aged and older who are males. Yeah. And when you play a country show, it's funny because if I bring out like sweet child of mine or something in a blue show, yeah. um, to these, this, that crowd that's like middle-aged yeah, and, yeah. and older and, and male, mm-hmm. they love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if I, if I get up there into a country gig where I've had like five to 700 people yeah. who are 90% female and the audience is like eight. Well, actually, no, they have to be 21 plus. More like 21 to yeah. like 35, maybe 40 year old woman, basically. Yeah. And I play Sweet Child of Mine. They go even crazier. Yeah. Like I had a gig um, at in South India like the other day. Yeah. And you know, we were playing like Sweet Home Alabama, which which is, you know, yeah. a, a rock song, obviously. Yeah. Everyone's going so crazy. I had this this, they love one, that song. this one girl at the front of the stage. She was like literally throwing money on my pedal board. <laughs> I'm not even joking. And they and they had to they, they were all like 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 coming up on stage. Yeah, yeah. The bouncer had to actually kick people off the stage people off stage yeah, it's like guys it was, it's getting a little too hectic like and give and the band some run. I, actually i felt bad because my singer some uh uh s- someone who was drunk banged into his mic and he, oh. he's seven seven feet so he grabbed the the did the your singer pole. seven feet tall <laughs> he well in boots he's like six <laughs> eight but in boots, he's oh my seven. god oh my god he, wow so but anyway so my point is the odd like the audience people ask yeah. we're like the underground like when guns and roses started like all like the crit you watch the ritz and the audience, like we're that member going yeah. uh, we're those audience members and they're all it's all the the country audience yeah. and they want to hear the same like the my friends uh dalton the sheriff when mm-hmm. they play yeah the most requested song they get is their version of let it be yeah, um, every I see it's they it's all want to hear the same. Everybody stuff. wants to hear the countryfied versions of like rock songs, and it's it's becoming more and more popular. And I'm like for it, so I I, I uh, like that you're well, taking well, I, that I don't shift. Even call to, it. I don't even think we do do it more country. I think I Van Halenize. We we did a, a, a last show we were doing a Hut for Teacher, mm-hmm. and I do this routine where I usually um, there's a lot of like birthdays in the house. So there's usually like girl who's be oh i want to go up on stage yeah. and i do this like routine where i like bring them up on stage i drape the guitar over there like i play guitar yeah, yeah like that and then like behind the head i i do a routine where like i flip it upside down wow. and like do like acrobatics yeah and um that stuff you know the blues crowd is kind of like yeah you know <laughs> they, they're like, like oh yeah see stuff yeah this is cool but they're they're not like they don't love it yeah the 
the the young crowd is like because they don't sit there like me and you watching videos of Jimi Hendrix burning guitars and stuff. Yeah. It's the first time they've seen this. And they're like, oh, my God. And they're you're losing like their minds. behind your head. And yeah. you're like flipping in like a piano. And it's like, yeah. the, you know, the tapping stuff. It, so it, it's like, it's nice to see this stuff that's been done for years hit in a fresh way. And, mm-hmm. and to see it as like when Eddie was doing this and, and everyone's going crazy, it, it's like, I'm experiencing the same thing because yeah. these these uh, people just haven't been exposed to it. Yeah, they're not used to the whole idea of or seeing like these things that have been around for so long. They're like not exposed to it, which brings me to uh, my next topic, which is music in like at, like as a kid growing up, like kind of in schools. Um, when you were growing up and listening to music, did you? get exposure to different kinds of music while you were in school from like other people or in classrooms, like being taught it or was your only experience with your taste in music outside of school? Like, did you have friends who'd be like, Hey, check this out. Like, you know, um, I mean the people I hung around with who were also musicians, obviously I got from that, but, um, you know, it's a good point because in school, in, I find in, you know, I don't want to generalize schools, but uh, I went to a private high school since sophomore year. And before that, it was the same thing in both schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, before that, I went to public school. Yeah. Um, and I found in both schools throughout, the problem is they're very heavy on this jazz. But yeah. it's not like I love jazz and mm-hmm. I didn't like jazz because I had been exposed to it in a manner at school where it's like, you know, you do this math and then you write a solo and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then so you actually, so, but you were like offered music classes in your school and everything. So you were, you could yeah. take jazz classes and like you do all these things in school. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, we had, a, I was part of like the Berkeley band. Oh, uh, wow. where we, we compete every year. Oh, wow. Awesome. Um, did, did you go to yeah. Berkeley? Um, I didn't, I went to the summer thing once. Um, mm-hmm. I actually, my background, I did, um, Got my bachelor's in electrical and computer engineering at WPI. Oh wow! I got my master's at Tufts for electrical engineering. Wow! Wow! Sorry! So, wow! Oh, so that, music, but. I, oh, yeah, but that, I mean, that coincides with like the guitar pedals and all that sort of engineering. Exactly. So yeah, I, yeah. that's that's still like I can see why you would do that. Um, but when you were learning, so when you were learning guitar at a young age and you were practicing, were you? given the opportunity to practice in school at all where it was there like, were you able to play your guitar in school or did you have to take another a different instrument? Um, like that the school was like, you have to play this. Cause I know that with some people in public schools, yeah. they're like given like the, the band option. I actually was, I was allowed to play guitar mm-hmm. even when, um, in both classical and jazz groups. That's good. But the, the issue I find with, with it is it was very much, you need to sight read and do this like your band instrument. Mm-hmm. And that's very, um, in my opinion, it's very kind of like it encourages kids, no matter what instrument, like if you're playing saxophone, it encourages you when you don't teach people about improvising and mm-hmm. writing their own stuff it kind of discourages you from playing the instrument because kind if of you're like not, yeah, if you're not good at the one skill of sight reading, a lot of these people who are probably talented, they give up. Like mm-hmm. if I, you know, I was pretty good at sight reading. I haven't done it in years, but I wasn't like, there were people who were experts who, mm-hmm. um, like when I got to college, I actually stopped playing music in a band cause I auditioned and I went and I, uh, 
the guy gave me a jazz lead sheet. Yeah. And I, I went, I looked at the chords and I did the, like, it was one of these songs that he, he tries to trick you and he gives you one that changes like four chords per measure. Okay. So it's like, they're all seven chords, yeah. but, it, but it was like a seven, 13 and 11. Like I know how to play all those chords, mm-hmm. but it's very, when I approached a jazz song, they're all seven chords, but the reason they have the extension is because, and I learned this from the George Benson method, um, is that you, the extension is like outlying the melody. So it really yeah. depends on the song. Like if you, you grab one note with your pinky, that's called a 13. So I literally <laughs> went and, you know, I just like look at this lead sheet. Yeah. And I play the song. The song sound fine. And it was like, um, you know, it was like B minor 13. Like what? But I don't play the 13 extension stuff because I, I couldn't think that fast. Yeah. I uh, I just like, you know, played the seventh version. Then I, I added the extension. color of right. the extensions to fit my ear. Yeah, yeah. And then I soloed and I improvised and the guy said, you know, you're a crabble, great guitar player, but you know, the, the, Don't do that. the chord voicings <laughs> you're using are like, you know, they're uh, like, I wrote this note and that note's like that. And you're using this voice. And, it's the, and I was like, Oh, why well, would just, I was hearing the sax guy do some, this song and I, he was in that register. So I didn't want muddy. So I yeah. know I'm like an ensemble player, like mm-hmm. that. We're like, if Miles Davis called me in the studio, like, like I would, you know, I'm not going to like, I don't care how it's written. I'm not going to play the line that covers up his line because yeah. there's no point in me being there. So, yeah. um, and I actually, all the way I was in bands up until I got to college and I had the audition. The guy gave the audition to someone who was an awful guitar player, <laughs> but a great sight reader. And uh-huh. I said, you know, I'm not like, why would I even try? This is. Yeah. miserable gig you you can't even think you just like yeah it's just stuff. you do as you're told and kind of just follow along so it's so for you it was one of those experience of it felt a little bit uh creatively stifling and yeah you couldn't really explore if, your like comforts as much like you it was just it was very limiting in your so experience. if if i didn't have people around me to kind of like the the people i've talked about in the music industry mm-hmm. to tell to be like they make it out in school they try to make it out it's like you know and again i you know this is just my experience i don't want to generalize about all schools they try to make it out like oh all jazz players can read and like mm. west montgomery and stuff they don't even know theory and, it, yeah. and i remember i would literally come in they would say oh you can't land your solo on a fourth and i would come in and it would be like <laughs> Tal farlow landing on a fourth in a solo and the guy would be like oh well, that's uh exception because he's superimposing yeah they try to like explain it and it's like he did it it for a reason (laughs) yeah and it's it's like um it's just like the answer all that is they're hearing and it if i didn't have those around me to tell me that you know that method is not because they try to make it out like it's the only method Mm -hmm. i probably would have quit and i know most people did quit because they just found it um to be taking like people come in and be like I have like I see you have Nirvana like yeah, people, I'm a, yeah I'm a big Nirvana fan <laughs> I, I would have people like come in the number one song they would want to play you know Nirvana stuff yeah um so simple and, and we would start yeah so simple we start playing it and the teacher would come in and he would like make a stop and it would like the semester every semester would start with a bunch of people would be excited mm-hmm. come and play rock music yep and then force you to sight read this like crap no one wants to play and like half the kids would drop yeah and 
they would it was very discouraging um you know and i do know a lot of people that quit because of that so it's it's uh yeah you know hopefully it's you know i've been out of the uh um maybe five six years since i went to college and stuff so i you know I don't, hopefully it's better now. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you of what it is like now. The one thing that I can speak for is, so when I was in middle school, we, I was in the school band and we were offered to play Cashmere by Led Zeppelin, like sight read and everything. And I was like, I was so excited to do it because finally we were given an opportunity to play a rock song and they gave it to the eighth graders. And uh, I was oh. very upset by that. But honestly, it was the best part of the entire year because we were given a song that everybody was actually kind of interested in and wanted to play. And I think that schools now would benefit so much more if they incorporated modern music into their education being like, Hey, let's try and play this Beatles song or let's try and play this Led Zeppelin song with the classical arrangement in the background. Like I think doing that type of thing would encourage people more to be like, wow i'd never thought about these like these songs like this even though they're so popular because they've been playing the same songs for when i went as long as i can remember you know i remember when i went to newton south they uh high school they the guy put together this arrangement of stairway of heaven he was one of these guys who would rip me yeah um constantly uh and this was for like the i was a freshman this is for like the seniors um 12th grade and um they they would he would like this guy would rip me because I wouldn't sight read and I would just like mm-hmm. improvise. And it came down to, okay, we have a concert in two days and you know, I don't have time to chart out like stairway heaven. So he asked me to do it and I got up there and I just like no rehearsal. I just like knew that song for years. So yeah. I just like did it and I did the solo and everyone was asking like, who's this kid? Cause the guy didn't even put me in the program because yeah. he was pissed at me cause I didn't like sight read it. <laughs> And but I was you did, like, but you I, knew I was like, song. but you wrote the, you wrote the solo incorrectly. <laughs> it, it's, it's not even correct. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I see what you're saying. Just like so. people, people would try and like do it specific ways instead of just letting it be fun and try and just like, it's, yeah. it's for the kids. That's the thing that bothers me the most is like, this exactly. is for the kids. This is for them to have fun and enjoy and to learn and express themselves and to have a creative outlet for themselves when all day they're just sitting there staring at screens doing nothing. Um, so do you think it's important that kids have a musical outlet in school or something that like favors something more towards their interests or like even like study musical history or anything like that? Do you think those are important for kids in school? Yeah, I would, I would love to see that. And I would love to see the metrics, um, by which, you know, everything has to have a grade in school. So I would like to see the metrics that it's judged on. same thing in writing in in history class like with subjective things i i think Mm -hmm. education needs to move more towards something where we realize that these subjects are subjective we need to grade people based on the effort they put in yeah and the uh creativity because you know you get like you got a guitar player like eddie van halen that's very technically great yeah and then you can have someone like kurt cobain or even like quite frankly like joe perry or Jimmy Page, who's very slot or Santana, they're all <laughs> sloppy guitar very players. Very sloppy, yeah. But they're brilliant musicians. Mm-hmm. And, um, but if they were getting, like, if you were grading someone on technique, like, you know, 
so all of them would fail the class. Like it, that just doesn't make sense. People yeah. have different styles. So, yeah. you know, I think they need to take that into consideration. And I, I mean, I would love for them to reform, uh, you know, the um, whether it's at the state level or, you know, private school or schools per school base. I would love teachers that are just more interested in, in getting kids passionate about music. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I agree. Cause that's, that's what we want. It's just like, cause I know a ton of people who were given choices of, they could pick music or they could pick like gym or art class where it's like they had one or the other. And I w- want and wish there was the opportunity where schools like a lot in the public school system could give multiple options for all of these kids. Cause even if a kid maybe doesn't like music or if they're not into it, they could try art or like musical theater or acting anything. But with the musical stuff, I know that it's one of those outlets that a lot of people can find that one instrument that they could maybe be good at. And even if they're and if it's not for them, it's not for them. But I know that to me, music is very important. And I know that to a lot of younger people, if they had that outlet or like that little bit of semblance of like, Oh, this is, interesting (laughs) then they probably would have had more interest um do you think that having a wider range of musical topics discussed or like uh shared between younger people like helps broaden um their tastes and help encourage them to like explore a little bit of outside of their comfort zone because i feel like when kids are young and they're like set in their ways on like taste of music. They might, they're just going to stick with it and they're going to stay with that for a long time. Do you think if it's talked about in schools, people might be more inclined to explore like other genres? Um, I, I think it needs to be, it needs to be kind of like teaching. Um, there's good and bad teachers is what I think. Mm-hmm. And I think the effective teachers find in, in their students a way to present the information. Um, and you know, in like that example, like, you know, with jazz, jazz music, like always being kind of like the, the statement, um, you know, I mean, there is Kurt Cobain couldn't be more different than jazz. And he, he listened to, if he, he listened to Jimi Hendrix at least, and Jimi Hendrix listened to the guy, you know, was in the Isley Birds and then he lit, they listened to jazz guys and they got, so you just have to have, a teacher that can connect the dots and be like, you like this stuff. Um, you know, let me show you, you what like they jazz. like. Yeah. And then it's like, well, Oh no, yeah. I hate jazz. It's like, Oh, well do you like, you know, I sleep No, no, that that's lame too. What about Jimi Hendrix? Like, Oh, he's oh cool. yeah. He's pretty cool. I've never heard. So, Oh, well Kurt Cobain listened to him and then, and then we'll be like, man, how did Hendrix get that rhythm stuff? Oh, well you can't learn that rhythm stuff unless you learn the Isley brothers. Yep. And Oh, well we're, they, you know, get that idea from, and then they find the jazz players yeah. and the kids come to appreciate it. They don't have to like it, but they yeah. can understand that they can connect the dots connected. for them and like show them. That was, that was a big it's thing. A history. Yeah. That was a big thing for me was I would look up and listen to all these different musicians and be like, who, who was this guy? Why, why, like what, who inspired him? So I, I looked, I'm a big Dave Grohl fan. So I was yeah. like, I would listen to Foo Fighters and I'd be like, what has he played? Like, who has he played with? Who has he been in bands with? And I was like, oh, he's the drummer of Nirvana. Then I look it up. Oh, he's the drummer of um, Scream, a punk band from Washington, D.C. Who inspired Scream? Oh, the Bad Brains. Like, it just keeps going into this cycle of just, like, who inspired them, who inspired them. And it's just, like, it's all connected. And I think that exploring the history of that in schools would help people broaden their mind and inspire them to maybe even come up with their own things and be like, oh, let's try and write new music. Because personally, I think a lot of music is getting 
very repetitive, but like not all of it, but a lot of it can be. But that's why I like how you and you're saying like you're trying to uh, explore and um, what was the word you uh, evolve, evolve your uh, tone in music. And I think that's such a great, great idea. Yeah. And I love that you're trying and to do that. And there's it's a hard balance because there's something to be said for, um, you know, I find that. I know a lot of people who have graduated Berkeley, and I know ones who, while doing it, were listening to a bunch of music, um, and uh, they really got uh, something great out of it. But I know other people who went there expecting, you know, maybe they weren't thinking they had to listen to stuff and doing some self-study, yeah. and they just went through the motions, learned the scales and stuff, and they, you know, really don't under they, they like understand the history in a very rigid yeah uh formulaic sense mm. and it's um it's about finding that balance i think because you have to be somewhat um you know there's some to be said for being somewhat like raw yeah and uh like um you know going back to kirk Cobain stuff like he was not a clean guitar player. He was very good at rhythm, but stuff he listened to is very rhythmic and he yeah. took the rhythmic elements out of the Hendrix. Now, if he had sat down and, and like tried to get the technical Hendrix stuff, um, Nirvana might've been a totally different thing. And, you know, I can't say whether that would be worse or better mm -hmm. um, without hearing it, but um, you know, there's something to be said for, okay, I'm going to listen to this, but you know, you don't have to, replicate it perfectly you can yeah. just take the elements you want out of that yeah um yeah no i 100 percent agree i think those are all fantastic points and i think that um you've made a lot of great like uh points in like how the schooling system like really is like lim limiting uh in certain ways um but now i want to i want to talk about so you've um toured immensely throughout like massachusetts you've played um in a lot of different places throughout the states and the country. But uh, I want to talk about what's next for you. I've, I was going on your website and I was uh, Tyler Morris. Uh, let me let me pull up the website name. It is uh, tylermorris.com, www.tylerdmorris.com. You have a lot of shows coming up. So can you like, can you tell me? Because I, I see a lot of shows with the band Cathedral. That's a Van Halen tribute band, correct? Yeah, yeah. So what's next for you? What do you what do you have going on for yourself in the in the future? Yeah, so I have uh, two main um, projects. Um, I got my Cathedral that you just mentioned, which is Van Halen tribute, mm -hmm. um, and I got Bonder and Morris, which is my uh, my original like country band. Mm -hmm. um, I still do some blues gigs here and there, um, you know, by request stuff, but. Um, I think maybe we have one on docket this year, mm -hmm. um, upcoming year. But with Cathedral and the Van Halen one, we just um, did Blue Ocean Music Hall. We did uh, Soundcheck Studios in Pembroke. We did Orr Music Hall. We did Mohegan Sun in both um, the Wolf's Den, both November and July. Um, so we are uh, the Spire. Yeah. Um, so very, very so, busy. So, yeah. So yeah, you got we've been doing tons with that. Um, and we play more like 500 to 1,000 seaters, depending on the region. That's awesome. Um, but it's, you know, that project, we're just trying to keep the, a lot of the Van Halen tributes, a lot of tributes in general. They dress up in wigs and 
uh, we we're like the the Fab Four. They get the lead out of Australia and Pink Floyd. Just like make it authentic. Yeah, don't make try it to about mock the music. it. Yeah, but we we do. I I own some equipment that was Eddie's, so I I bring that out. <laughs> you own some equipment yeah. that was Eddie's. Yeah, from the <laughs> I own his stack wall from the Balance Tour. Wow. Um, I own a few of his guitars that I, I don't bring out. Yeah, anymore, I would not. I would not uh, yeah, I would leave those and <laughs> in the I would keep those in a private vault. But so yeah, no. With that, like our next show we have is. Uh, January 21st at Brighton Music Hall. Nice. Awesome. Um, right in, you know, this year. Right, right in Broughton. Uh, Broughton. Brighton. Brighton. <laughs> right um, in Brighton. Uh, nice. No, that's awesome. So are you planning yeah. on recording an album anytime soon? Yeah. Or? So we're, we're actually in the studio last week and I'm going back in on Sunday um, and we're recording the Bonder Morris album. Awesome. Um, and uh, I'm doing, eventually we're going to loop in, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, um, Orianthi. We're going to mm-hmm. loop her in. We're going to do some writing with her. Um, you have probably some special guests like uh, like Elliot Easton, like and so, mm-hmm. some people like on the album, um, you know, once I asked them and stuff. But um, that's really going to be the debut of that project. Mm-hmm. And we already were playing, I think, maybe releasing singles. Nice. Um, we already got one or one or two tunes, like one and a half tunes. Um, we got like tons of written, but one and a half, they're actually on recording nice. as of this moment. And, um, you know, we've been doing tons. Like we got um, we got some dates this weekend. We we play with Bond or Morris um, in both duo and band configuration, like all over, um, all over um you know pretty yeah. much the pretty much new england yeah new england moment. area we're gonna do some florida dates in march and awesome and uh maybe some uh we we got ping to do something in romania but i think they kind of want like <laughs> cathedral oh yeah but with a different um like they want it to be van halen for most of it mm-hmm. but there's this female singer i work with that they we did a bunch of videos um that that went viral and yeah. a bunch of people have been like giving feedback on that and um they want us to do like a romania tour wow there. Oh, that's crazy so i don't know when that that's happen, awesome but that's amazing so uh any social medias you want to plug or any yeah, um where can people find you check you out so on on tiktok um instagram and facebook i'm at tyler morris official okay um and at uh on my website www.tylerdmorris.com um and you know the band wise um are we also have like facebook and instagram for that mm-hmm. uh for the van halen one it's cathedral evh um and uh for instagram facebook the bonder morris it's bonder morris music for instagram facebook and tiktok and um the that you know website bondermorrismusic.com amazing and then all of the um, social media yeah. <laughs> all of the social media for then, all of them <laughs> Oh yeah, we do have V. We got an awesome domain. Like I, I, I domain shop in my spare time, so oh, yeah. we get a um, vhtributeshow.com, there which is go. a very hard to get domain. That is very hard to get domain. So. Well, that is very good to hear <laughs> that uh, you have an album in the works. You are planning on touring and playing as many gigs as possible. Um, Tyler, I want to thank you so much for being yeah, here. Thank for you for your time, me. and I uh, can't wait to see what you have next for us. Awesome.